Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray following tradition and winding down at Harbour Town after another intense week of golf at the Masters. I'm not really at Harbour Town, we're in Sydney. Uh, as though anybody could have missed it, John Rahm put beyond doubt his position as the world's best player right now. And today, we're lucky enough to be chatting to one of the best riders in the game who was on site covering the event, Bill Fields. Bill along in just a moment, but first, a rightfully smug Adrian Logue who tipped Rahm to win. Mm-hmm. We'll go in depth with Bill shortly, but after a couple of days for the dust to settle, is there anything from the week that stands out now that perhaps was lost in the excitement of the final round? I, I think Rahm was the story of the day, rightly so, but... In retrospect, the Mickelson mm. performance is something that's going to be talked about in years to come. And it's not often you're going to talk about a third place or a second, was tied second in the end. 96, we talk about the second place finisher. Yeah. And uh, that'll be something we remember yeah, for, for some time, I think. I'm expecting a trifecta of Mickelson's. <laughs> I'm ask the same question of everybody. Also with his Golf Australia magazine deputy and digital editor, Jimmy Emanuel, who might have done the work of three people over the course of Master Week. Jimmy... Has your head stopped spinning yet? Same question for you. Anything on further reflection that stands out? Uh, no, my head has not stopped spinning yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Mickelson stands out, of course. Ram stands out too because that was so impressive mm. because it showed how good of the side of the draw Kepka got and how bad it was mm. that Ram got because when they went head-to-head on the same times and the same weather, Ram completely showed him up. And it wasn't so much, I don't think, Kepka playing bad on Sunday. It was actually where their games were at getting to that point. So I think that was a standout moment. So, And also the glacial pace of play, I think, at times, which I wrote something about yesterday that was just um, ridiculous, really, at times. For Not just Patrick Cantlay, who's been singled out by he's Kepka, a, but he's repeat a repeat offender. offender. That's right, and, repeat offender. And, that, and Sam Bennett, as exciting an amateur as he is, he might be slower than a NASCAR car, which is what he looks like with say, all of his logos. If he takes that long to cash his checks, uh, interest rates are going to be going yeah, up and down right. while he waits. Enough out of us distant spectators. Let's get to somebody who was on the ground and saw the entire week unfold firsthand. Bill, Bill Field's list of richly deserved riding credits is matched only by his humility. So in deference to him and my own laziness in not going and looking at all those credits, let's just say the man is accomplished. He's the author of the excellent Substack newsletter, The Albatross, and he joins us on the Digital Blower now. Bill, welcome. Some terrific stuff from you in The Albatross, I thought, uh, in the wash-up of Rams win. Same questions for the other two. Anything a couple of days later that perhaps got lost in the excitement of tournament week? Yeah, nice to be with you, Rod, Adrian, and uh, Jimmy. Always a pleasure. Uh, I would certainly agree with the winner, Ram, uh, the man in the in the uniquely uh, shaded green this week. Uh, also, Mickelson, amazing performance. Um, that's going to go down, as Jimmy said, as one of the great mm. senior performances in golf history. I mean, you you know, he's definitely got the best finish at any by anyone at Augusta over 50. And then he's right up there with Sam Snead in the 74 PGA, Tom Watson, of course, in the, in the 09 Open. Um you know, for, for the best uh, performances, his own win at age 50 in the PGA yeah. Championship, of course. Uh, but, you know, you got to also look at what didn't happen last week. Rory McIlroy, not even in the hunt, not even playing on the weekend. Yeah. I, I was really surprised by that. Yep, agreed. I uh, is that we talked about this last week, Bill. I've got a theory that Rory might be the Tom Weisskopf slash Greg Norman of his generation, the Masters hoodoo, the Augusta National hoodoo. Is there anything in that, do you think? There's just something about the place. It, he should dominate there and just never seems to really be in it. I found it interesting when when uh, Rory was asking his pre-tournament presser about 
so, somebody phrased it, I believe, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're destined to win this, or you've got everything going for you here, or however the question was phrased. And it was Rory who brought up in his answer, hey, there have been other guys about whom that was said. Greg Norman, obviously, Weisskopf, obviously, and uh, Ernie Els for another one. Uh, you know, everyone in the mid-90s would have said Ernie's going to pick off at least one Masters, but where he was done, it didn't happen. So I think somewhere deep in Rory's golf soul, he knows that, that uh, you know, it's not it's not preordained, and it, and it might not happen, and I think that just adds to the pressure he has now at age 33 for trying to make it happen. Yeah, it's internal and external. Interest- the external's in- bad enough, but the internal pressure. Interestingly, when Tiger was asked about Rory, he said, oh, yeah, he'll win one of yeah. these. Like, for a guy who's made a living winning golf tournaments that doesn't happen that often for everyone else, yeah. to just go, oh, yeah, he'll win one of these. He's probably it's, just trying to pump his like, tires he, up a I, bit. Understandably so, but, like, exactly as, as Rory, I, I listened to that po- that press conference as well. Mm. Rory brought up those guys, and clearly the place is in his head. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't look like anything remotely like the same player once he steps foot on the grounds there. He's had a couple of those incidents. But interestingly, of course, Tiger did make the cut, and Rory didn't. So, yeah. mm. <laughs> read into that what you will. There with, was a little, the, with a little help from Justin. A little help from Justin Thomas, indeed. But, Bill, it's funny, isn't it? I remember Rory and Jordan on a Saturday a couple of years ago, uh, tied for mm. around the lead, and Jordan just wipe the floor with Rory on the Saturday. It feels like these things happen to certain players at Augusta. We know his own meltdown in 2011, which I don't think necessarily would have been fatal. There's other stuff's happened to him since, hasn't there? 2018 with Patrick Reed, the tee shot he hit off the first just must have rattled him. It was off the planet. He wouldn't have hit a drive that bad for years. Echoed by... Kepka this year as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Horrendous tee shot off the first. These little things, no, it's the scar tissue players talk about. I think uh, this year, Rod, he, you know, the, the pressure was on for him to have a good round out of the box, which he rarely has done at the Masters. And that's really put him in a hole because the track record over the last 15 or 20 years is that almost all the winners have been in the top 10 on the leaderboard after one round there. It's just the way things have gone. I don't know if it has to do with. That you know this era of players or the course setup or what, but that's a fact. And uh, you know, Rory comes out with a mediocre seventy-two, and then the next day, by the time he tees off, Corka's uh, Kepka's already torched the course for two rounds, and that could not have been good for Rory's mindset is to already be playing major catch-up. And then he went out in uh, forty, I believe it was on Friday, just a, just an awful nine holes to start his second round. Yeah, and it's all over by then, Jimmy. I've got a theory that the Masters they do this brilliantly. We always remember the excitement of the Masters, but they actually spend three days punishing the players. <laughs> it may make it really, really, really hard. And then the last day is always full of excitement and eagles. But I think that's you know, players getting off to slow starts. Woods is famous for doing it at Augusta mm, yeah, as well. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, his record breaking year. Yeah, and, and yeah. he's the only uh, Tiger's the only person in both his wins, uh, recent wins, 05 and 19. He's the only person to buck that trend of being in the top mm. 10 after one round, mm-hmm. which is not like Tiger to stand out from the crowd like that. Yeah, it? that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but and guys who guys who do get it together in because I think they often use different pins and stuff on mm. that first day. Harrison Crow, I think it was, said who'd been there a couple of times in the lead up to he was getting ready. And he'd seen a lot of pins, and he went out the first day and he said, I'd never seen any of those pins in my life, and never on TV, anything like that. Then someone always does go out and shoot a good score, too, and they inevitably aren't the person who wins the tournament at the end of the week. Um, you know, Adam Scott, interestingly, had his best ever first round, which was only 68, I think, yeah, from that's memory. Right. Should have been 66. But <laughs> yeah, but Adam has his best ever first round and finishes tied 39th. Like, it's, it's very much... You got get through the first couple of days, and if you're well placed, and Ram did that yeah. so well in the worst of the conditions. I watched a lot of those uh, rain interrupted periods, and 
he was grinding away and there was no one else making birdies and he was, you know, making his pars and then getting a birdie out here and there. It was unbelievably impressive golf. How much do you reckon you could sell opening rounds of 70, 74 every year at the Masters, Logue? In past years, I think that's a tremendous start. Mm. It's got you right there or thereabouts. We'll see whether that continues to be a good start to the Masters. I think this year as well that would have been a good start to the Masters because mm. a lot of blokes came from around that number and ended up contending in the end. Where was Ram through two rounds? I think he was a couple better than that, wasn't he? Maybe well, he went, yeah. 60, he went 65, 69. Okay, so he's well out of that. Yeah. It, in the future. One of, one yeah, of the great comebacks, uh, you know, after that double bogey okay. on the first hole of the tournament for Ram, really uh, stunning that he went nine under the rest of the way. Yeah. You'd imagine if you'd been out there watching, you'd gone, oh, well, that's it, wipe Ram. Mm. Two over after one, you'd be legitimately thinking about who goes I, nine under after I, 17 holes. Whenever you watch people play that first hole, particularly when you're there, you watch them and you think to yourself, oh, that looks really shaky, they're in trouble. But it's obviously the toughest first hole because they're so nervous. Yeah. And it's not an easy it's not an easy hole. It's not a handshake starter. No, no. And so, you know, I, you watch people play that hole and you think to yourself, geez, that looks shaky. And then you've got to jog yourself. Adam Scott talks about... First tee at Augusta every single year is the most nervous he feels on a golf course. That's a guy who's won there. He's won a million different things. He's got no worries in the world if he does miss the cut. He obviously doesn't want to, but stands up on that first tee every time. And I imagine that's every single player in the field, whether you're Tiger Woods or you're Sam Bennett. And it's only worse the further you go down from Tiger. <laughs> the, your first time there has got to be worse than anybody's uh, anybody's ever sort of felt before. Bill, what was the uh, what was the attitude sort of on the ground? What were the, what were the storylines on the ground? Did Ram just dominate all of that? I was really surprised. As Jimmy said, Kepka didn't play terribly, but he played far worse than I thought he would over the, the – the, so he just felt like he capitulated to Ram. I don't think he was going to beat him no matter what, but he just sort of capitulated. It's not what you think of with Kepka, is it? You know, a lot of times, you know, people try to pinpoint a turning point, uh, you know, in tournaments. I think there really was a turning point when they completed the third round Sunday morning. It was cold and breezy, and they went back out there. They were on the seventh green when play had stopped Saturday afternoon, and you know, Kepka had an 11-foot par putt. He missed. Rom had a nine-foot uh, birdie putt. He poured it in. And just like that, it was gone from four to two shot margin. And it really set the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And Rom himself, Bill, um, what's your take on him? He seems quite popular. He did seem popular among the, the fans there. And, uh, I think there was some, you know, some of the anti-Liv sentiment played into that. He was going against one of the Liv stars. And I think, you know, there's there's certainly not every golf fan is against Liv, but there are some who, who don't like it. And I think Rom had that uh, on his side. I think the applause for Mickelson was more muted on, on Sunday, even given his amazing charge than it would have been had he not uh, traded tours uh, last year. But uh, Rom, I think everybody's seen it. You know, uh, TV has had a challenge uh you know, with the delays or whatever, he's he's been known to to curse in the heat of battle. Uh, you know, he's not alone in that, of course. A lot of players from a lot of places have, have tended to do that. Uh, the guy's got a lot of fire, but uh, the guy's the guy's gritty. I mean, I think he, you know, he's seen Rory and he's seen Scheffler, you know, bounce around at one and two, and he was number one. And you know, he, he's a lot of people still thought he was the best player in the world right now, coming into the Masters, even though the rankings said he was number three. So I think he he had plenty of reasons to want to win, and I think the guy's got just a, a, a really strong blend of power and touch. And uh, my goodness, that course among um, uh, others in the world is where you really need that combo, and uh, he, he sure had it on display last week. It's something more than that as well, though, isn't it, Bill? 
his mental strength last week was incredible, I felt. And Mickelson as well, I think that was the standout. Or Mickelson actually spoke to that in his little flash presser after the thing where he said, oh, I just managed to concentrate all week. Mm. And uh, that seems to be a real key there. On the coverage this year, I noticed because it was so slow, we actually almost had featured group coverage of the final group. We saw, we saw them doing a lot of walks from greens to tees and, and that sort of thing. And you actually start to appreciate the pressure cooker that mm. they're in there in that final round. They've come through, like you said, Rod, that first three yeah. rounds where every test has been thrown at them. And then in that final round, especially the last nine holes, everybody knows the equation. Yeah. And everybody knows what's at stake and everybody knows what the next shot holds. And you can see that writ large when they're moving through the galleries and interacting with each other and waiting on a tee. And it's just it's just this pressure cooker. You know what's in their head. Yeah. Well, the course has been bashing you for three days or three and a half days, and it's something like, now show off and show us what you can do. So it's a very yeah. difficult switch to flip, isn't it? It's like from defensive to attack, and away it goes. Mm. That Jim. was that was noticeably where Kepka sort of fell down a little yeah. bit. He got through that third round just holding on. Mm. You know, he, he hit, I think it was seven greens in regulation in the third round. Ram only hit 11. Now, that's quite a disparity. They shot basically the same score, but he was hanging on. And when it got to that fourth round, which was now you make a move to win the golf tournament, it showed he didn't have that gear in him that week. Um, And I think the coverage was people will on the internet suggest that that's because there was live players involved. So they weren't being shown Logue. but I think it was great that we got more of those two guys because, and it was also partially because of the weather and how it just rolled into this was the and it time. wasn't two man race too was and it was it, two players yeah like as good as Mickelson's run was as good as Speed got was, me excited yeah, for a while too. as good as they were going <laughs> and they were trying to drum it up with the the TV stuff going oh this is happening up ahead it was like oh, it's not happening he's not going to get far enough <laughs> one of them could fall back two of them ain't going to fall back and particularly the way Ram was hitting the golf ball we well, only need to look at the number you, you, you would have said 13's definitely going to win this and nobody was going to get to 13 from behind mm-hmm. it's just Almost impossible. It's, so. It was it was one of those weeks where at the start of the week you could pretty comfortably say someone gets the double digits they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. And you that, could have posted that right ten. Most. That Mickelson Spieth group. If somebody could have posted ten, ten yeah. that would have put a number up there that might have changed Rams thinking a little bit. But again, those guys third round was you know they shot seventy five, seventy six. That was where they they lost their chance really. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. I think I think I think uh, Ram seized it on the twelfth and thirteenth. He made yep. a solid par on twelve. Kepka, whether it was the wind or whatever, went over the green, then got a little too cute, didn't get it on the green in two, made a bogey, and then Rom steps up on 13, takes the bold line, which not many players had done with the new tee, and he he pulled it off. He had a very you know accessible second shot, hit it up on the edge of the green, made four, and that was, in my mind, that was pretty much it. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly the tee shot on 13 there, Bill, because it was, of course, with the new tee, everybody was scrutinising that hole all week, weren't they? What did you hear from players both on and off the record and others about what they thought? And how did you think it played out? It was actually more interesting than I thought it was going to be, I felt. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the mm. wet, they'd had so much rain in Augusta. Uh, not I think they had, you know, a number of inches last week. But even leading up to last week, I think the, the figure was 22 inches or something already from January to April, which is almost half their yearly uh, average. So the place was about as wet as it's going to be, or soft, I should say. Mm. And, uh, you know, they weren't getting much roll on uh, those tee shots on 13 if they tried to play it up the right side, and it, even the power hitters. Uh, so, I mean, it, it it wasn't a great test given the the way the, the conditions were and, and how the hole will play. But uh, overall, I think it was something they needed to do given, given how the, the, the ball's traveling. 
yeah. it kind of becomes a bit one-dimensional of a test because you just kind of hit it straight. Yeah. So, but it plays into what these guys have turned their driving into to suit what the modern equipment does because Ram does not hit a right to left with driver. It just doesn't happen. He aims way down the left, hits a hard cut, Kepka's the same. He, he had that shot this week, though, yeah. or last week. Yeah. And John, Dustin Johnson's the exact same. There's, I saw a video the other day of him oh, saying, I, I turned over maybe one driver on purpose in the last two years. So yep. I, I don't do it. You now need to really down that mm. that shot. Mm. So it, it'll be probably more interesting in a year's time once they've had a chance to realise what it is because – you know, they went from practice rounds. I spoke to a couple of players. Oh, yeah, it's four iron. I don't know if I'll do it. And then they got there during the week, and Adam Scott was like, oh, it was actually six iron. I'm going to be going all week. And then it got wet, and, well, I can't go all week. And mm. it became a turning point, which was good, but probably a one-dimensional turning point, really. Well, in the final round, Ram hit that tremendous oh, yeah. right-to-left slinger around the yeah. thing there. And a lot of people were hitting it into the yeah. trees on the left. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah definitely. Yeah. Which was good to see. And, yeah, yeah. You love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not if you're caddying for them, but when you're sitting at home on TV watching, yeah. Absolutely. Not if you're Ram. them, you don't want to get in the <laughs> no, trees. That's right. Absolutely. Ram also hit that tremendous drive in the se- on the second in the third round, I think it was. It was way past everybody else. Carried the bunker. Uh, oh, yeah, easily carried the bunker. 340, 350. Yeah. Yeah, it was a long one, really. Yeah, long right one, to yeah. left and got it going down the hill. It was tremendous. So I, I think that's just one of those, especially in the final round with Kepka on 13, that was just a flex. It, it shows like, something, doesn't it? It's I'm, exactly right. Yeah, I've, I've got total control over my game. How are you going? Yeah. <laughs> like that was. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Bill, let's zoom out a bit. Uh, the week itself always has lots to talk about, and we've done a fair bit of that. But in the bigger picture, does this Masters A, was this a. It didn't feel like a classic Masters to me. You've been to plenty of them. How did it feel to you as a where it stands in the pantheon? Uh, I think it was eagerly anticipated just because of the inclusion of the the, the Live Golf Series guys who were there, and we had and you know uh, the the PGA Tour uh, players had not seen them in in months or, or longer. So I think there was a lot of anticipation for those guys, and they ended up playing the part by getting right in the mix. And I'm like, in Kepka and Mickelson's case, you know, finishing almost at the top. So I think that was good. I think uh, I was, I left sort of thinking, okay, this has been nice to see everybody play again, but, but where does this, how does this play out? And I don't think anybody still really knows the answer. What, if there will be any kind of a, a settlement, a, a, a handshake, whatever it might be to eventually allow these guys back or to mix or, or, or even what the majors are going to do, down the road in terms of world ranking and stuff. Any thoughts, anybody? Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty clear that everyone was more interested because they were all there. This is the first time, though, so whether that maintains to the PGA Championship at you know at Oak Hill in a couple, couple of weeks, really, will be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everyone seemed to have a heightened interest because it was the first time everyone was coming back, and the TV ratings were unbelievable, the best since 2018, I think, Just, Sunday. Yeah, pretty impressive, isn't it? Pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. Answering Mars, 2019 that's is exactly right. a pretty important year, right? But, um, yeah, I, I think it, the players did a good job of not playing into it or playing into it in a certain way before the start of the week. Rory talking about how he likes certain guys and doesn't like certain guys, and Cam Smith was really, really good in his press conference, mm-hmm. and... You know, a couple of the guys showing up to play, being Phil Kepka and Patrick Reed, particularly, helps everything. But you know, it's it then we go back to the the standard, and it's a PJ Tour designated event this week, and Rory's not there, and other guys will be there, and few people will watch it, less people probably than would have before, and live play in Adelaide in two weeks, and that's going to be their biggest event. But whether they'll hold on that interest is, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of showing that 
fans are the ones suffering the most here, that we're getting these spectacles where all the best players are in one place only four times a year. Um, and then we go to this trip drab of players across different tours and different events. Yeah. One one significant little crack in the live facade that I think occurred this week was the fact that Kepka wasn't really overt about this, but it was clear where he stands that he was playing for himself. Yeah. And I think that's that's a position that a lot of the live players will look at and think to themselves, okay, that's how I'm going to present myself mm. from now on. Yeah, I think I think to that point, the guys that showed up and, and the live fans saying, you know, look, you all said they were washed up and whatever. Phil hasn't shown anything in a live event no. at all. No. Said he was, you know, after the third round, said he was ready to go on a tear. He was full Phil that week. Clearly got inspired by the golf course, the tournament, and everything that was going on. It mattered, didn't it? Yeah, and it, it it hasn't he hasn't found that. Kepka won the week before. He's now won twice playing live events. He's one of the best players there. He should win. Yeah. Um, but he found something to play for, and he was again honest when they said, you know, when you were, you know, if you weren't injured and you were playing like this, would you have gone? I would have made it a lot harder to make that decision. It, it made his decision a lot more understandable. Um, yeah, it a lot of the stuff that the players said and the way they went about it probably didn't sell live as much as their good play sounds like it should. Well, that bunker mentality that the live players have had up to this point that you talked about, I think you're right, and that that really is a crack in the facade with Kepka saying that. I wonder whether the others sort of think and feel that way. Those personalities that have gone to live seem comfortable with that victim sort of mentality where they're being victimised. You know what yeah. I mean? Which is what they've been doing. But I, I think that's not the, the bigger players. I don't think no. that's your Kepkas. I don't think that's your Johnson, Johnsons. No. I don't think Agreed. that's your Cam Smiths. DeChambeau, Reed. It's the guys the that others. tear down who are oh, this poor us. Um, those guys know they're the, some of the best players in the world. They've been offered this deal that's generational yep. wealth. They know they'll still play majors, so they don't really need to argue about the world ranking yep. thing. They're kind of, oh, I'm, I'm doing this and this is what I think and this Not is how I'm going to do it. Changed, yeah. Not a whole lot changed. And. I think some of them maybe will suffer from the way their year falls. I think Cam Smith's pretty clear. Like, he played okay. He was the top Australian in tied 35th, I think. He didn't play great golf. He hit one of the shots of the tournament. But <laughs> shots of the year. He, shots of the decade, yeah, actually. He, he looked like he's maybe not having control of his own schedule and stuff. He didn't peak just at the right time. Not saying he's playing bad, but... He spoke about, well, I, I wouldn't typically play the week ahead of the Masters, and he was down playing Orange County National. <laughs> if I was going to play, I probably wouldn't play there. With one of the great quotes of the week being Dustin Johnson saying, <laughs> can you liken the two courses? And he said, the only similarity is I played there last week and I'm playing here this week. Uh, indeed. I've covered, I covered a few qualifying schools at Orange County National years ago. I can confirm it's not just Nothing wrong with it. It's a, it's, a, it's a fine Florida course, but, uh, yeah, it's not Augusta National. But, are you familiar with a, 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 a shrub of like a, I think it's a dwarf plant called Florida uh, Heather? So were you still on this? This it's has been, been what, three weeks se now? Several weeks, like deep dive investigation into this. I am not. I, Orange I, County I, I National. I'm not a uh, good botanist, I guess. Well, Orange County National, this might be like a little expose for you to uh, launch your big J journalism skills into. But, but the, uh, <laughs> next, next uh, albatross is going to be a deep dive. What was it called? Florida Heather? Is that what it's called? Florida Heather. Yeah. I think I've, I'm going to tell you. That's I what think, they claim to have on there. Sounds like a I think, I think Florida Heather works in the bar at Florida say, yeah. National. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Indeed. What's your take on the whole live thing, Bill? You mentioned there, you know, talk about whether there might be some sort of reconciliation. Can you see that? I can't see it from where I'm sitting, but – is there a real possibility um, of some sort of talks between the two? 
I, I think Greg Norman's presence really is a is would be a hindrance to, to any kind of reconciliation. I think there's so much uh, uh, bitter water under the bridge, at least as far as how the PGA Tour administration looks at it. Uh, we're talking going back uh, decades mm-hmm. that um, I, I just see I don't see much happening as long as he's at the helm or, or at least the you know the the main uh, figurehead. We hear this bill from lots of different quarters. Is there a subtle PGA Tour narrative going out about that? Do you think? I don't know. I've, I'm certainly not. I just that's my own belief, yeah. just from knowing the, the history. I'm, I'm not yeah. spewing a talking point from the tour PGA oh, tour. I wasn't um, suggesting that, but it, it, <laughs> this does come up doesn't um, it, regularly. That this notion that yeah. Norman's got to go. I, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, you know. I've got a couple of friends that follow the Premier League soccer very closely and become big fans here. You know, in America. And they say, you know, the team that the the, the the Saudi group got in the Premier League bankrolled that they did it, they did it in a in a low key way. You know, they didn't do it in a disruptive way, and and they really haven't had any problems assimilating. I think the way this thing happened, and maybe there was no way for it to be otherwise, but it happened in a different way, a blustery way, with Greg Norman at the at the helm, and uh, I think that that created a lot of uh, a, a different dynamic. He's combative, isn't he, Norman, too, Absolutely. deliberately so, and yeah. goes out of his way to sort of be. I think you wrote an interesting piece about this, didn't you, Jimmy, that the Newcastle example is interesting and people often bring it up. You know, there wasn't all this hoo-ha about this. People don't follow leagues. They follow teams mm. and all possibly players. And in golf, that's an issue for Liv because nobody follows the PGA Tour. They follow Rory and whoever, which is a really interesting sort of take, I thought. Yeah, that's right. I think it's very hard to get your head around that I'm a – PGA Tour watcher or I'm a you know DP World Tour watcher. My People who like golf watch golf. Watch golf. And they like watching different tours and different players and seeing where people go, but also watching their favourite player play around all the places. And that's what has typically attracted people to tournaments overseas outside of America. Like, you know, people would make a point of going to an Australian Masters because Tiger Woods is playing. Like, Tiger's an exception, obviously, but people follow those players. That's why Australian tournaments targeted players, not a tour necessarily for a long time. That was their mode was let's pick these guys that we know people are going to come watch rather than try and co-sanction with the PGA Tour, have a PGA Tour event where bigger name players don't come and other people come because people aren't going, oh, it's the PGA Tours in town. I'm going to go watch that. Yeah, it's a which is you know any 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 number of uh, informed golf observers outside the United States will, will claim and not without cause that the PGA Tour has been too insular over the years and uh, they they have a valid point, but at the same time, it's hard. If you're looking at the PGA Tour right now and their business model, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to see how everything could have just been kumbaya when this live this live threat uh, arrived. I just don't see how oh, in a great. in a world where you know power matters that that people that why, why should the PGA Tour just uh, you know given ground to this new? I just don't get I don't get that argument either. As much as I agree that the PGA Tour over the years has been a little insular and uh, could could stand a, a little uh, opening up. Yeah, I I think that's a hundred percent. Like we can blame the PGA Tour for what's happened in Australia quite a bit with wraparound season, but. Every other tour that has suffered at the hands has some responsibility to what's happened as well. And the PGA Tour is, you know, when I was a kid, it was called the US Tour. Yeah. It's an American tour yeah, right. for American tour players. So why why is it their responsibility to put tournaments on elsewhere? Because their job is to run the tour the, for, for the tour uh, players in, in America. Yeah, in America, like, yeah. And and they were always in direct competition with the other tours. Only now they've started to align 
you know, and I, I spoke to Cho Min Tant from the Asian tour at the end of last year, and, you know, he's not saying they're there yet, but the Asian tour's goal is to rival the DP World Tour because that's what's always happened. You have to... It's getting there, too. You have to rival another tour mm. because there's not enough room to go around, and if the PJ Tour has been all of its time putting events on overseas and not focusing on the ones inside America, they make themselves right for the picking for something else, probably not within golf, but something else to take that popularity. Mm. Yeah, something with the PGA you Tour. Know, sorry, you, know, you go. People, some, 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 I'm sorry, but uh, some some of, you know, um, I know. I think Mike Clayton has voiced it, you know, the PGA of America should move the PGA Championship to Australia yep. every so often or move it around the world. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a good idea in theory, but Again, is it really that organization's responsibility? I, I don't. I don't have the answer, but well, the, I think it I think plays the, into the same question about mm. the PGA Tour's obligation. I think the clues in the name of the organization. Like, I, I would love to see the PGA I think differently on that one. I actually, I, no, think, I, I agree that I'd love to see the PGA go around and go to Japan yes. and go to Australia, whatever. That would be fantastic. But the PGA of America owns that mm. tournament, yeah. and the name of the organization is the PGA of America. So. That's not the fault of the PGA of America. That's the fault of when we designated what the four majors are and what's the four most important events in golf. Now, they would benefit from it, sure. Like if the PGA of America brought one to Royal Melbourne, the viewership and the interest would go skyrocket and this fourth major, the poor cousin that's been there, gets a lot more interest. But their job is to look after the PGA of America professional. To some, the, to some extent, I think there's PGA is a world organization right. these days and they're, exactly. the, they're the US chapter of, of that. Like that's You see that happening. There's the PGAs of Europe is an organization now and that's- There's uh, a brotherhood that they the, could tap that, into and really exactly. make themselves a much more important yeah, tournament the and US, organization than they're they They're the are. US chapter I, I of think, that global brotherhood. I think that, that, that ties into what we're just talking about with the tours though. There's the International Federation of Tours. They all work together as well, but the PGA Tour is the American chapter, effectively. Mm. So, again, yeah, sure, they want to help and spread and whatever, but it doesn't mean it's their job to they, prop They've up asked the for that position, though. They've asked for a seat at the table with the other big, the other big players, the RNA, the USGA, and Augusta National. The PGA Tour want to be considered in that same yeah. family. They know they're the biggest. And, and the PGA of America, to some extent, as well. But the yeah, PGA Tour have put their hand up for that. And, but they do it in a way where it's always on their terms and it's never, when it involves responsibilities beyond what they think are their purview for their membership, mm. they, they draw the line there and it's, it's this, it, their motivations are different to the RNA and the USGA in particular. And even the PGA in, us, and, in yeah, some senses. Who, yeah. who have an obligation to their, to their members there. They're, uh, the, the USGA and the, and the RNA in particular are motivated by the, what's best for the game, mm-hmm. and that, I think that always gets overlooked. PJ Tour fundamentally are motivated by what's best for their membership. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's a member run, member run it, technically organisation, yeah. and it creates this uh, tension when they try to get the seat at the table. It's when when anything comes up that requires true responsibility and really putting your hand up for the be- what's best for golf. The PGA Tour will will not be there for you. Yeah, I, I think. When the players in this live example complain about the tour being all powerful and all that, they've helped feed that beast though mm. by all going. Well, that's where we're all going to go play, and that's and you can say, oh, they didn't have another option. If they, well, they did. If they Tiger did, had they, gone to play in Europe in 1999, a yeah. European tour would be the dominant tour. Yeah, they <laughs> wouldn't. Sure. They wouldn't have maybe the money they've got, but there's yeah. other options out there. It's, it's it's interesting stuff, isn't it, Bill? This is a much bigger picture of golf. Really, what it comes down to is money, isn't it? The money is in America for golf. It always has been, and spoiler alert, it's always going to be. 
I, 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 for all, you know, Dean Beeman, when he was commissioner of the PGA Tour from the early 70s until the early 90s, um, he did a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of forward thinking things. But the one thing he did that wasn't really forward thinking, but it was related to your point about money, you know, he did not want Seve and other uh, uh, international players coming over and sort of cherry picking events in the 80s because. Uh, a, he, his players didn't want that happening because the money wasn't huge and those players were going in their pockets. He, they knew that these guys would, uh, you know, win significant prize money. But I wonder, you know, in hindsight, mm. if, if, if Beeman has any regrets about that stance, uh, I would say probably doesn't, but I wonder if the game had opened up more at that time, even before the world was smaller with the, with the more travel and internet and everything. I wonder if things had played out differently. What about with foresight, Bill? Can we get to there now? I think the PGA Tour is in a position where they could, but they've reacted the opposite way, it seems, from the outside. They've become more insular and, you know, cowing to the top players more so than previously. I'm not sure how healthy that is, but there may not be another Liv come along. Liv may survive. We don't know. But there's almost a danger now. If Liv does go away... We're in a worse position than we were before because yeah. if you thought that the PGA Tour were bad, were bad when they were the alpha dog before, they've seen off the only potential threat that might have happened. They're going to really be the alpha dog now, and that's I don't think necessarily healthy for the game. True, and I think there's a school of thought, and I, I may be in the camp to believe that the PGA Tour panicked a little bit when Liv came on the scene. I'm not sure that how many of the top players really would have bolted, even though as uh, Jimmy or Adrian said, called generational money that, that players like Harold Varner III has spoken about, honestly, saying, look, this is why I did it. This was money for my family and for my ha- family's family, you know, whatever, however it was phrased. Yeah. But the um, the fact is that uh, – uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of That's thought. That's Logue's fault <laughs> that for was making me. jokes. It's your fault. Yeah. I, I, my joke didn't land with Bill, so – it's very true that there's the money in golf is in America, not elsewhere, because that's why Bill's typewriter's covered in diamonds and mine's you know, broken <laughs> and wicked. Right, uh, they're rhinestones, baby. Yeah, they're rhinestones. <laughs> not, 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 not diamonds. Uh, indeed. Um, On the PGA no. Tour and money, Bill, is this designated event model sustainable? There's no way the sponsors this year are arcing up the extra money that the, that's being put into those purses. Will they next year? This year's schedule is clearly somewhat disastrous. It's already collapsing on itself. Rory's out this week. All players were given one out from the designated events. He's already on his second, and we're in April. What do you think is going to happen with all of that? It, it, it hasn't really been spoken about, but where is that money going to come from? Yes, the PJ Tour had reserves, but mm. they're topping up these purses to a fair old tune. doesn't take long to go through a couple hundred million bucks if you're shelling out $50 million a year on designated events. Yeah, Right. You you wonder if if the if the the pace of of, of uh, increase is is sustainable. I I don't know, but I do know that the uh, ever since the days when uh, most players had to play most weeks in order to make a, a, a survive when the money was so low, since those days passed, the the challenge has been how do you get more of the best players playing uh, together against one another uh, more weeks and. I, I thought this idea, while I'm against the the no cut idea, I think I thought in theory it sounded pretty good. I mean, okay, these players themselves are agreeing to this. Uh, this should work out. And then, but then, as you say, Rory now already twice is is bowed out. Uh, so, um, 
there has to be some enforcement mechanism. Uh, otherwise, the, the policies don't have teeth. Yeah, the PGA Tour has run into this problem of the Australasian tours. Money's no longer enough to attract them. Through the 80s, uh, 90s, early 2000s, money was enough to attract players. They're now in a position where money isn't enough. There's got to be something else as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it's, it, it's, it's a problem we've had. We've it, been priced out of the market. Down it's, here, it's the same thing when it comes to – I was talking about slow play earlier and writing about that. You say that – you can't you can't find these guys enough to make them hurt no. the hip pocket. Like no. it's physically impossible to, to impose. Shot. It has to be shot. So that money is no longer a measure for these guys because money is just this imaginary number that exists. You know about. Yeah. I spoke to a player agent about a pip payment that their player had won, and I said it was a sizable amount of money. I said, would they notice when that lands in their bank account? And the response was no idea. Would they even check their bank account? No idea. <laughs> and and that is the that's what we're dealing with here. And I, I'd say there has to be a good reason from Rory to get it okayed. Yeah, he's Rory and he's done all the good fighting, but he's had to have given a good reason to the tour to not be there. John Rahm, the opposite. He spoke this morning about how you know everyone would have understand understood if he went. Hey guys, I'm I'm gassed. I'm not coming. And he spoke about, you know, I thought about it if I was the kid or the fan who was coming and wanted to see the guy who just won the Masters, I would be disappointed if they weren't there. Oh, and he, so, so eloquent. I'm coming and, around yeah. to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I've he, not been a fan, but yeah. I'm was, coming around. He has I, flashes of anger which are unattractive, but when he's when he's considered and thoughtful in his answers and what he has to say, it's great. And he, he showed up, I think it was Tuesday, and he was there grinding on three footers on the punting green. Like, he's not just showing up and just doing the absolute minimum. He knows he's got a job to do. And that's that's something worth re- respecting. I mean, that's the back to the Tiger thing of when Tiger got appearance money. He was trying to win. He was he was earning his money. Yeah. So many of these guys seem to, well, I have to for the money, um, which is, I think, where the floor in the designated event thing is. is It's just, oh, yeah, I'll show up. I'll show up. Mm. I think this year, I, th- I said on playing from the tips that, this week feels like rewarding a long, long-term sponsor in RBC, a long-term host venue. Yeah. The PJ Tour had to land a certain number of designated events this year, and you know some of them were not going to be ideal spots, but the players understood this is the way it is. Um, some of them, I think, will end up benefiting out of it. A guy like Adam Scott will play great mm. at, at the Harbour Town. Mm. And would never have normally gone there. there. No, that's right. And so if a guy like him goes and wins and then it turns his season into something special, they'll go, oh, geez, I like this model. It does encourage other players too. Speaking of long-term sponsors, anybody? Currently decked out in our long-term sponsor, Angus and Grace Go Golfing. Sorry, Bill. There's a sponsorship spot we've got to do. (laughs) That we do smoothly every week, Bill. Never misses. This is the best advertising this company does. Very smooth. Tell us about Angus and Grace Go Golfing. We had Matt Burns in the studio. Go and have a listen to that episode if you didn't. He's a fascinating guy, the founder of Angus. He is. I was with him last night talking about winter looks and about all the things he's moving into and uh, Australian-made, Australian-designed golf clothing out of his shop in Paddington. Uh, very golf, but not golf, I think. Mm-hmm. Suits Logue and me, which is yeah, cross-generational. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's, it's got a lot of body shapes covered there. <laughs> the, we're, we're wearing a bit of Angus and Grace gear today for a game of retro golf. Yeah, we're out. Some of Sydney's finest public courses. I've yeah. got a bag full of McGregor golf clubs. I'm going full Nicholas Ooh, today. McGregor nice. persimmon, McGregor VIP, one to sand wedge, and a McGregor response putter. We're going to have a look at those. We haven't got ah, built forever. So yummy. Really. I like your style. <laughs> I've been a persimmon man myself the last couple of That's years. That's right. Nice. But Angus and Grace yeah. go golfing.com.au. Uh, and, and on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. 
Bill's uh, first time Bill's been interested this whole interview. That's right. Richard, your McGregor's. <laughs> yeah, he's finally got it. So, in I've got my Max currently Blair gaming SS SS one from the late late fifties. Oh, uh, beautiful. Oh, mine's a so mine's cool. an Iomatic that belonged to an old golf pro in Australia called Ted Sterling, who oh, won oh. about a hundred pro ams with it. Yeah. An S four hundred tipped an inch and a half, it, and it is well, that. Well, my, my, that's about five a, foot you, six. You're a player it? using that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, I can't. I, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Persimmon drivers and I don't get along, mm. but blade one irons and I do, oh. and so I okay. tend to just. Bang one iron down every par four and par five I can. Public golf in Sydney, you'll be able to get away with. Are you problem. you're as strong as the young John John Huggin years ago in Scotland when he was. Uh, <laughs> I, I can I can hit all those amateur tournaments. I can hit wedges from inside of. What are you got the sickening knee high fizzer. My 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 problems get closer to the hole. That's yeah. yeah yeah. The closer you get, the worse it gets. It yeah, beats, uh, <laughs> shocking foursomes partner Bill. If we backed up well, a couple of years, are we disappointed that? Uh, the tour didn't take the Premier League idea from Andy Gardner more seriously. There's merit in what Liv are doing, I think, in the team aspect and the best players against the best players. The PGA Tour could have pulled that off, I think. Yeah. Um, again, that that speaks to their maybe their mindset of you know we're we're the best. We don't we don't want to we don't want to go in with anybody else. It may play into that. Um, I, I there may it may be a generational thing. I mean, I'm in my sixties. The, the team golf aspect just it doesn't you know it grabs me at the Ryder Cup and and at the Solheim Cup and at the uh, Presidents Cup to some degree but otherwise I just don't I just don't see why people are, are excited about the, the you know the team aspect in the Lift Series but maybe that's just me um, yeah but I agree it's um, generational I think you'd be doing something for the future with that but is there a possibility Jimmy that the PGA Tour might still they might Live stole the idea from Premier League no reason PGA Tour can't should they want to. I, I think the PGA Tour is obviously watching how successful it is with Liv. I think the younger people that I've spoken to are interested in Liv, particularly in Australia, and about, oh, I want to go and I want to see. It's not about the team. No, no. I, no. I agree and, that they've not done a particular And, and the, thing, the disappointing thing is that that was the point of difference and it just felt half-baked. I mean, the first the first logos and names and stuff was like someone had gone into clip, out, clip art and picked the top 12 things and then come up with some names. If that was done properly, we could see the effects of it. But like Bill, I mean, I love the Presidents Cup, Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup every year. But if that was every week, it'd wash mm. pretty quickly. Kind of like seventy-two hole stroke play. Everyone yeah. complains is the same thing. Mm. Um, variation in formats across different formats is where the PJ Tour is going to have success. Mm. You know, a match play event like we saw a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was the last one, so everyone gets a bit nostalgic and goes, oh, it's better than they probably remember. But Bill wrote a beautiful piece about that. Yeah, absolutely. Your match play piece was fantastic, Bill. And and that's and that's that's where I think the thing is not not buying into high flyers and talkers and whatever that is. Yeah, there's some ingredient to the team aspect that live of or there is there's just a missing ingredient. You look at every other team competition, there's something that's tribal about it, or there's something that ties the team together from an equipment point of view, like in F1, the, there's interest there in F1, like in seeing two drivers with the same equipment, yeah. one outperforming the other, one who's clearly talented like a uh, Daniel Ricciardo or something, but unable to get the performance he wants out of the car he's been given. Yeah. Golfers choose their own equipment. That's a real problem for a start with trying to form teams. And unless the OEMs get in and create teams of their own and then actually force the players to fill their bag with their equipment, you'll never get that little hook, which is, I think, a really compelling hook, the equipment thing. And I think the the depth of the teams is 
part of the issue as well in terms of, I mean, every player on there can play. There's there's no one in that level of professional golf who can't play. No, no, but yeah. you look at Ripper in terms of the Australian team and the fourth member being Jed Morgan, a guy I really like and a guy who I know can really play. I've mm. seen play a lot of tournament golf in person, but he is not at the level of experience and skill and, you know, execution that the fourth player of the four aces in Pat yeah. Perez is. You know, this is a guy who's comparing these last man spots and one of them's won on the PGA Tour a number of times and kept a PGA Tour card for a long, long time and one is just coming up and has won one tournament as a professional. To try and get parity to then have competitiveness is impossibly hard. You've got to learn the craft, don't you? Most players have to yeah. learn the craft. We get spoiled by the Tigers and the Jordans and Absolutely. the Justins and those guys, but you've got to learn the craft as a Jed Morgan to become a good international player, and it takes time to sort of do that. What do you think golf's going to look like in five or ten years, Bill? I'm asking you unfair questions here, but I've never known the professional golf world to be shaken up like this, Not nothing even close to what's happened with Liv this last two years in the PGA Tour. Will it fundamentally change, or do you think Liv will be seen off and will be back to what we had for as long as I can remember? I, th- I just wonder if if the if the live series can't start you know bringing in some profits whether uh, obviously everybody talks about the the un- unlimited uh spigot of, of funds from from Saudi Arabia but I just wonder if it's really not a money maker or even a you know break even kind of thing over the next couple of years will they will they still want to finance it um to me that's that'll be the that'll be the question of whether it sticks around or not and you know, it's hard to see any other type uh, similar venture popping up because some some group would have to have the unlimited funds to, to go at it as as the lift people have. And I don't see that. I don't see that happening. Um, be foolish enough to jump said, into the same hole. <laughs> That'd be the problem, isn't it? Yeah, right. And as you said, Ron, at some point, Rod, at some point, uh, the, the, the even on the PGA Tour, the sponsorship dollars, do they just keep? Uh, keep coming. I mean, uh, you know, uh, yes, the PJ Tour had the money to bump uh, a lot of these purses, and uh, the players are benefiting big time. But how long can that continue? Mm. I think, I think there's a there's a question, or how you know how much should they bump it up? Should they keep more in reserve if they're going through a lot of it? All those are legitimate uh, questions. I think. Yeah. I think th- th- part of the the issue with in terms of trying to make it profitable and all that sort of stuff is they're trying to. Bring something new while tearing down parts of golf that's been accepted forever. So you look at the biggest players, I would say the three biggest players in terms of ability and and relativity when you get to majors are Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and Cameron Smith, all three of whom, Dustin Johnson's foregone one of them, but all three of whom have individual sponsorship contracts still in place. So they aren't decked out in the team uniforms like the rest of their teams are. So, you know, you can't, you can't make a team a thing when Cameron Smith wears different stuff to the rest of his team and he's the leader. And, you know, it's very telling the companies that have come on board in terms of easy post was announced as their first sponsor. If you go back to last year's masters, you'll see easy post is a a shirt sponsor of Cameron Smith. Hmm. So obviously his management is working very hard at turning what he's got into something profitable for their business of Ripper GC. Um, But the buy-in level is, only to a point because you know, Brooks Kepka was asked about not wearing logos and he said, I am wearing a logo. I'm sponsored by Nike. Hmm. Dustin Johnson's got a tailor-made hat on because he's sponsored by a tailor-made. Uh, I loved uh, Kepka's look during the Masters, by the way. He looked very tight. looked really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of good looks. Ram yeah. can look 
messy at times. Mm-hmm. And he's, 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 he's such a and God forbid, hog. God forbid, he dress himself. The, Those shoes the, are a clown show, though. <laughs> that outfit of his, his outfit when he went to Wimbledon, where he wore a starred black shirt oh. and an awful colour tie. Yeah. He is going to wear some awful things with that green jacket. You don't, it's going to be. You don't get this on the other podcast, Bill. You've got to come. Victor Hovland's shirt on oh. day one. Oh. Oh. Surprise. He, yeah. Victor Hovland. We during the podcast with Matt Burns described him. I described him as the worst dressed golfer no. in professional. Yeah, Oh, I got a message yeah. on Instagram about you are so right. Mm. Victor Hovland had scripting for the week. He ditched it after day one. Oh, is that right? Yeah. He was done. He was because he looked much better days two, three, and four. But day apparently, one they sold out of the shirt he wore on day one. Oh shirt. my goodness! Yeah, people are buying anything. It's like that. Well, people, <laughs> people started buying the Larry Mize purple striped shirt too after he chipped oh, in. They Aureus shirt. That. I'm they, get, Bill, they go for a lot. Those Aureus shirt. I'm Imagine get, if you played with the shark and you turned up in one of those. I'm what get, a flex out of it. I'm How going to I'm going to live Adelaide next week to cover oh, yeah. the event, Larry. and I would love to show up. Oh, you know, Larry, Mize. you're, you're a bit Larry Mize is actually tall yeah. and thin. Yeah. There's not it'd much be, of you. The shark it'd be a tremendous that. Halloween costume. Imagine that, imagine lobbing up yeah. in a visor and an Aureus shirt in a press conference, standing front row when Greg takes the microphone. You yeah. should have got Min Will Harrison Crow to ask Larry Mize <laughs> to send you one last week. They played with him. What's that I, about? I don't think Larry Mize has taken that shirt out of his closet in 35 years. <laughs> it's uh, remained in the dark recesses. He's a, he's a lovely man, but that that was a nasty shirt. I'm guessing it's behind glass in four or five different places, that shirt. Yeah, yeah. The shirt that Larry <laughs> yeah, Mize lays, all those shirts absolutely. tend to be. Ten clubs have got a copy of that, that shirt. Was, that was amazing that Augusta put it with Minwoo Lee yes, Harrison Crowe for the first two days in yeah. his last Masters. That's that, not an accident. That's someone turning the yeah, knife that. just with a – and Harrison Crowe was great afterwards. They said, did you ask him about it? And I, I know Crowey pretty well. He doesn't have the greatest sense of golf history, but he's got a little bit, and he kind of giggled and was like, I turned to Min Woo and said, this is pretty funny, right? <laughs> so that's probably, of all the um, you know, the, the made-up live slights that happened that week, I reckon that was the actual one. That, oh, was, that, was, that, was, that was the, let's put Larry Mize with two Australians, Greg, and see how you feel about yeah. that. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, there's eons more to talk about, but we better let you go because I know you've got other things to do, but it's been fabulous of you to join us. Did I miss anything from you? Is there anything in particular that you wanted to say before we tell people how to find your Substack, the Albatross? Uh, you know, going back to Rom just quickly, I think, you know, we, you, you, we've all touched on his whatever determination, whatever it was on display uh, last Shoes. week. But I, I think back to, you know, when he came to America, he didn't know much English when he arrived mm-hmm. in Arizona for college at Arizona State. And I, I think when a when a foreign, an international player can come over and assimilate himself like he did, or like uh, you know uh, Koreans uh, have done in America, that takes an amazing amount of uh, of grit and uh, you know and, and stick to itiveness. And I think uh, that was an early example of Rom. Rom knew what he wanted to do, and he he had a plan to do it, and uh, he's done it. Yeah. And if you think that's easier than you than it looks, have a think about moving to Korea. And implanting yourself there and having to learn how to speak Korean, that's a staggering thing to do, to yeah. up and move countries and cultures and, and still succeed huge. as you chose. It's, it's, it's a huge stag- thing. Even and- if you're moving from, uh, you know, from Spain to America, it's still a big, a big transition. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he... He 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 did it. He did it, and uh, it's almost a bit old school, uh, isn't it, Bill? It's a it's an adversity thing, isn't it? That you know, this constantly overcoming adversity. It's a very old school golfers. That's why golfers used to sort of mature in their thirties, wasn't it? You need to be beaten up for ten years to be hard enough to actually cope with it. Yeah, grit grit is the word. That's yeah. That's the thing. I yeah. think I think yeah, that- and and uh, you know, John John paid you know tribute again to Seve as he had when he won at Torrey Pines at the twenty one U.S. Open and. You know, clearly Seve played with a chip on his shoulder, and uh, you know these guys now they don't have to 
you know, they're not fighting to get in American tour events like Seve had to. But, um, you know, it's still, uh, you know, the, these legacies last. And I think, you know, any any type of thing like that that Rom can use as fuel is good for him and it's gonna, only going to help him. Yeah, absolutely. I think that move as well from Spain to America to play college golf means he's doing it as a young, mm. young man. So going to college and moving away from home as a – 18, 17, 18-year-old, that's a huge adjustment for anyone. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to look after myself and I speak English, you know, (laughs) let alone learning another language and doing that and trying to play top-level golf is unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. And the the college system's pretty hard, aren't they, on the academics too? Absolutely, yeah. You get scholarships and stuff. They don't just let you waltz in and play your sport and go away. Some of the guys (laughs) I grew up playing junior golf with who played college golf, I'd suggest that's not true, but (laughs) I don't don't know that some of them are scholastically focused. It's a characteristic, I think, of overachievers or high achievers that they take a challenge like that and it elevates everything in their life uh, yeah. you know they it's like i've i've got to overcome this as well and it's it just keeps them incredibly focused as opposed to people like who just fold up like a cheap dick <laughs> yeah, it's too hard. i'll well, stay here where i am it, it's fine the, the story's kind of forgotten but i think it was last year's masters where ram was talking about his backswing and how short it is when he revealed for the first time maybe it was the open that he was born with a club foot Oh, that's right. Yes, he did too. Yeah. And like that is that is remarkable to like hear him talk about as a baby breaking his ankle into pieces to try yeah. and make it go the right way and recasting him every two weeks. The guy's been through some yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Bill, for the second time, thank you, mate. Really appreciate that. It's been fabulous to chat to you. It always is. Uh, where do we find the Albatross and where do we find you on social media so listeners can hunt you down? Well, the Albatross is on the Substack platform. So if you go to thealbatross.substack.com, you will you will find it. You can subscribe. And uh, I, I do have some – I know I, I, I my latest reports that I have uh, readers in 40 countries, and I know Australia is one of them because of uh, folks like you who are kind to have me on the show. So thank you. It's nothing to do with us, Bill. It's because you write great stuff, and golfers are an international mob. And if somebody's writing good golf stuff, it doesn't matter where they're from, people are going to go and read it. And I do thoroughly recommend people read it. Bill writes some fabulous stuff. So, And, and Mike Clayton will tell everyone how good Bill writes. Oh, absolutely, as will John Huggan. As will anybody who's been in the golf writing caper, and Bill will never say it himself, and that's one of his great charms, but he's one of, if not the best in the business. We thank you for your time today, mate, and we'll get you back again one day soon. Enjoyed it, fellas. Talk to you again. Thanks very much. Bye. And thank you. And uh, Jimmy, thank you for coming along. Thank Most you. Enjoyable. Enjoy your uh, retro golf day at Public Golf Day. Same to you, Logue. Thank you, Rob. Episode 140 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Done and dusted. We'll be back next time.